The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Hall. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. But why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Good morning to Gregor Paul. Gregor, good morning to you. How are you? Very well, sir. Um, what's the general perception of how well New Zealand played amongst you and your colleagues after the game on Saturday morning, Saturday evening? Uh, look, probably B, B plus. Um, if we're honest, there, there were fundamental questions were, well, I'd say largely answered. Like they put together, they, they, they fronted up in the areas that we talked about on air last week. You know, they, they, they brought that physicality. They love that word. Um, you know, they, they set out to repair and rejuvenate their set piece, and they definitely scrummaged. Uh, they were they were they were pretty good. They had a, a couple where Ireland probably caused them a few troubles. A look at that, but on the whole, they were happy with that. The lineup was pretty good, and and in the collision work, they probably got what they wanted. They they probably uh, they, they edged that battle. I don't think they dominated Ireland, but they certainly edged it. So they answered the, the kind of key, key questions: Are they tough enough? To, um, to stand up to a pack like Ireland who really kind of dealt to them in Dublin the year before. So we saw that and look, they were obviously pretty ruthless in terms of you know, Ireland dominated possession and territory. Um, you know, they had far more of the ball than and they were on the New Zealand's goal line for goodness knows how long of that game. And yet, you know, New Zealand won on the scoreboard at least quite comfortably. And that's because when they did have the ball, uh, they finished, and they were they, they were pretty ruthless about how they went around doing that. So, look, um, as as opening season games go, New Zealand don't have a great track record of starting well. Even at Eden Park, they've often sort of scraped over the line. So, if you put it into all that context, it, it wasn't bad. It was it was a reasonably good performance. And the graph is going up by the sounds of what you're saying. There, we can expect a tougher version of New Zealand even just this Saturday in Dunedin. Oh, well, look, I mean, they're going to have to because I imagine they're going to get a tougher version of Ireland, which which they'll know because I think Ireland would be reasonably, despite the scoreline and the disappointment, would be reasonably buoyed by um, the number of opportunities that they had, the trouble, the troubles that they were causing New Zealand certainly to get behind them. You know, New Zealand defended their goal line amazingly well, but you know, why were they defending their goal line? Because Ireland had found a way to get there, so they're going to need to look at that. Um, look, it's the All Blacks, isn't it? And uh, you would imagine if they're going to be the team that they want to be, they're going to have to find another gear. And typically, we do see them, uh, you know, to to go through. They will be much better in Game Three of this series than they will being game one and I think Ireland found that out the last time they were here when they got a bit of a royal hiding in the in, in game three so yeah look, that, that is the old black way they, they they tend to accelerate once they've got off the mark with that first game under their belt There was no sign of the disruption to the coaching ticket and the COVID in the camp having any impact on uh, the preparation or, or was there should we actually expect them to be even better because they'll have an uninterrupted build up, build up to the game next week Oh, I think these things are a wee bit exaggerated. Um, you know how disruptive it was. I mean, look, they, they would have done a lot of their planning, a lot of their work prior to the, to that to that final week. I think the, the greater disruption for them was probably losing David Havili, um, who would have been playing at um, inside centre for them. And uh, look, he, he's a completely different player to um, Quinn Tupaia, who they played. 
Just having a little bit of gremlins on the line there this morning. The Wi-Fi had been so strong in New Zealand all all the last two weeks. Finally giving up an omen for the Saturday, of course. Good or bad for us? The Wi-Fi or... <laughs> Is the omen good or bad for us? Uh, it's, a, it's a good omen. Craig is back there. So you were just saying that the um, the uh, inside centre situation would have been more important really than the COVID. In in that context then, um, what because we, we've been talking about the, the pressure that the coaching ticket were on basically since last November. Does that pressure immediately ease with a, a three-test victory here, which you know New Zealand are clearly on track for now. They're they're double digit point favourites again, heading to the game this weekend. I think everybody expects them to win this this weekend as well. So has has have they done enough to prove that actually this coaching ticket will now take them through to the next World Cup more than likely? No, no. Look, I mean you you'll have probably been observing the All Blacks and the old, and the New Zealand media for long enough to know that one one game like it, it eases a, a tiny fraction of the pressure, doesn't it? But not. It doesn't let the valve right out by any means for them. I mean, look, they've they haven't won the series. They what they've done is they've put down a reasonably good marker that said, okay, the benchmark level that we've got to build on from here. But the, the pressure is going to stay on them uh, certainly until the end of the series. Uh, and I think if they don't win the next two games, it will be right back upon them. Um, but they've got to go to South Africa after they've played Ireland. I mean, it's a pretty tough. It's a tough start to anyone's season, isn't it? Three tests against Ireland and then two on the road in South Africa. Look, a lot of people won't be ready to take any pressure off this team until we see how they go against South Africa as well. Who look, they weren't brilliant by any means against Wales, but you can see that they're a very basic team, aren't they? And they pose a very simple question: as how big and how tough are you? Can you stop a rolling mall? Can you get the ball off us? And are you prepared to just tackle enormous people that we're going to send hurling at you time and time again? So until we get through um, those five tests, no, the, 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 the pressure, if anything, look, the pressure is, is even more important that they, that they build on what they did last week um, in, in Dunedin this week. What did you make of Ireland? Well, I, I thought the scoreline probably didn't reflect... Uh, what they put into the game. I don't think there were 20-odd points between the two teams. Um, look, they they learned a lesson, though, didn't they? Like they? They played a lot of good rugby, but that's all great and wonderful uh, against the All Blacks. But what you've got to do is you've got to convert that opportunity into, into points and you've got to pile the scoreboard pressure on. And when Ireland have beaten the All Blacks in the past... It's because they've done exactly that. They've had half a chance or one chance, boom, they score, and that keeps you in the game. They'll be, I thought they'd be reasonably encouraged about the, the mileage that they got. They, they troubled the front-line all-black defence for quite long periods of the game. Um, their set-piece was okay. I thought their scrum might be a bit worried if the all-blacks get that component right for them this week. I thought Ireland might be in a wee bit of trouble there. Um, but look, they're competitive. And, and they, they, they met a highly motivated all-black team and they stayed in the fight for 80 minutes. And I don't mean that to be condescending. I mean, there's plenty of teams at Eden Park that would be 35, whatever they were, down and gone home, you know, 58, 62 um, on, the score, on the scoreboard. So they didn't let that happen. So there's a lot of heart there. And they'll enjoy playing in Dunedin. It's, it's hard, it's fast. Uh, definitely going to be dry because there's a roof on the stadium. And I think that'll suit Ireland. So look, they'll be—I think they'll be travelling with a bit of confidence, and they should be too. 
When, when you say confidence, right, do you still expect New Zealand to win well, but it'll be a closer game on the scoreboard? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, maybe. Look, I think I think they would have come away thinking, look, we, we scored 19 points and with a bit of luck, a bit of composure, a bit of whatever they were missing. I mean, how many times did they get over the line? Well, I mean, if they got, if they, every time they went over the line, if they'd scored, I don't know what the score would have been. So look, I, when I say they should have a bit of confidence, there's not a lot of teams that can walk away from Eden Park and think, yeah, look, we, I can't remember how many tries Ireland scored, whether it was two or three, three tries. And really, we could have actually had five or six tries. That's, that's not many teams have been able to do that. So I, when I say confident, oh, look, they, they, they did enough to know that the All Blacks uh, are not infallible and that the same rules apply to them that apply to everybody else. So look, I, I think that... They should feel that they could win the game. Um, I know that might seem a bit of an egregious claim to make. You know, Ireland can beat them in Dunedin, but you know, the, the, there's actually no reason why why they can't do it. The, the gap between the two teams doesn't look overly large at the moment. One of the key things from an Ireland perspective is that um, when when we play in this part of the world, we have a very strong understanding of exactly what the rules at the rock are going to be. And this was something Andy Farrell brought up in a roundabout way, talking about there's supposed to be a depth to the rook. We'd like to understand what how that rule is going to be applied. And something like that seems, on the face of it, either churlish or childish and a bit razzy to be bringing up in the aftermath of it. But it is interesting in that um, if the rook was refereed differently, like it might be in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, there would have been early penalties for New Zealand. They wouldn't have been able to slow the ball down and Ireland might have been more clinical in the 22, for example, and that possession might have converted to points. So it's it's, it's hard to have this conversation without coming across like, look at us, we got refereed off the park. Do you know what I mean? So is there a way Is there a way of having that conversation and going, is is there anything in this that might be of, of interest this week coming? Oh, look, I think I would have understood... Uh, Farrell's point a wee bit better if it hadn't been an English referee. So, you know, like the All Blacks and, and look, Super Rugby gets refereed a certain way because it's Kiwi Australian referees that are refereeing it. But we had an English referee, so presumably he interprets the game in the same way he does whether he's refereeing in the Southern or the Northern Hemisphere. So I didn't quite understand quite what he was getting at there. However, to, to your point, um, look, the, the the breakdown we all know every team in the world has a different view about what they can get away with where the entry point is I think what Andy was saying is that New Zealand seemed to have a, a wider gate their guys were able to sort of approach the ruck from kind of wherever they felt like and we're obviously going right through the back of the ruck taking guys out way after the way after the ball I'm assuming that's what he was getting at when he said it and look I mean uh, if I, I, I didn't really see it, but we never normally do when you're watching it. It's, it's hard to tell. Coaches see micro detail that beyond my understanding. But look, it, it, it's, it'll probably change again next week because the referee will change. And maybe the All Blacks will be whining about something next week that they didn't get this or they didn't get that. Where I thought Ireland had a couple of legitimate claims, I thought the Joey Carberry try, look, we've seen plenty of those being awarded in Super Rugby this year. Didn't look like there was clear separation, so... I thought that was a try. I also kind of thought he was high tackled on the way over the line. And definitely the referee got in the way um, when um, uh, New Zealand scored their final try, a pick up off the back of the scrum. I mean, he was completely in the way. He blocked him, and he, he just got in the way, but he didn't. 
Um, so I thought Ireland were actually probably had a few grievances that were legitimate, but not necessarily the ones that Andy Farrell brought up after the game. Will Barrett be um, cited, do you think, or has the window closed for that? I'm not sure what the time difference, what the crack is with that. Uh, no, that's no. He won't be. the The window's gone with that. It needed to be um, earlier on today, and it didn't happen. So I, I'm assuming that's not not able to happen now. Right. That seems like look when when we put it up on Twitter, people were like, "Oh, what about the high tackle moments before that from Jameson Gibson Park?" And sure, fair enough. I'm sure there was a high tackle from Gibson Park, but it did seem like it was no arms, head head to neck area, and not not looked at. That's the type of stuff that as a test series goes on, leads to a little bit of rancour. So, I, I, you know, there might be a bit of spiciness this weekend. Yeah, I look, I, I'm not a big fan of, of slowing clips down because you can, you know, you end up seeing things that might not be there. But on this particular occasion, and look, Barrett's got a bit of previous um, for doing this. It's not the first time he's led with the shoulder in exactly that manner of getting a wee bit frustrated at a, at a breakdown, charging in with his shoulder and clunking someone on the head. And look, the referee was right there. Uh, and it looked for all the world to me that, look, he didn't use his arms. He's charged in direct contact to the head. We've all watched this game for the last three years enough to know, well, look, there's nothing mitigating. Uh, well, I didn't think that there was, despite the fact that Manny's head was down. Barrett didn't need to do that. I mean, that was a red card, surely, wasn't it? I thought it was a red card, looking at it again. And I don't quite understand when the referee's right there, how on earth he didn't come to the same conclusion. And given that TMOs seem to interfere at the drop of a hat these days, or find anything and everything to, to, to interfere and say, look, there's foul play there, I'm genuinely at a loss as to why that wasn't even looked at. That that seemed a crazy decision to me to not even look at it. Yeah. Maybe that was one of the things that Andy Farrell was hinting at that um, I was saying he needs to release go full Razzie release the video see what happens you know <laughs> that's the rules of engagement it turns out you get a little bit of a suspension for it but not much and uh, the referee does exactly what you want the next week out. Well I mean you, you're point about uh, that that does build frustration for players because it's not when it when you get these inconsistencies and that was I thought pretty clear cut right in front of him. I'm not sure how he thought that Barrett hit him on the body. He clearly hit him on the head. He clearly didn't have an arm. I mean, how obvious does this need to be? And to then say, I'm not even going to look at that, probably did get Omani um, pretty fired up. And I would imagine you're right. There'll be there'll be a little bit of blood boiling in the first 20 minutes in Dunedin. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's blood boiling in all the right ways. It's intense and passionate rather than sort of off the ball and um, a bit niggly. But, but it's frustrating because referees need to do their jobs a bit better than that. Yeah, 100%. Gregor, great to have you with us again. Thanks a million. Cheers. My pleasure. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 